Amen. Good morning. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Man, uh, I am blessed to see you this morning. I'm surprised. I thought we were going to be a little bit lighter crew. So gold star for you guys and for uh, getting the kids up and out. Uh, by a show of hands, who was awake before their parents were? All right. By a show of hands, who was up past midnight? <laughs> All right. Well, praise the Lord. It's great to see you guys. Uh, Feliz Navidad and Mele uh, Kalakimaka. You know how you say it in Japanese? Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. Very, there you go. All right. Um, I read somewhere that Christmas won't fall on a Sunday again until another 11 or 12 years. I think the last time Christmas fell on Sunday was seven years ago, so we have a little bit more time. So what I, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to take a picture just to, for me to remember this morning. Can I do that? All right. Plus, you guys look so good. Here we go. Did I get everybody? Oh. No, 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 I'll do this way. Oh, I'll do a selfie next. All right. And if you're downstairs, oh, if you're downstairs, someone take a picture for me, too, in the lobby. Here we go. One. Two, three. All right. Can I do a selfie? We'll try. I got short. I got short T-Rex uh, arms. So here we go. Here we go. My unsteady hand. Here we go. One, two, three. All right. Thank you guys. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're gonna be in Matthew again. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter two. We're just making our way through for our Christmas message, anyways. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. I'm going to read aloud from mine. And or if you would like, you can borrow one. Just wave these guys down and they'll be happy to let you borrow a Bible so you can follow with us. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11 in our special Christmas message. I entitled it The Christmas Cast. Matthew chapter 2. I think it's great when we're able to have the kids with us. So we do that from time to time. And uh, as I often mention, you guys know, I have four kids of my own. Uh, I still remember when they were younger and so sometimes they can get a little fidgety and anxious. It does not bother me at all. And so please don't worry, mom and dad. Um, it's great just having the kids up here. So um, praise the Lord. Okay. All right. Matthew chapter 2. Uh, would you guys stand with me, please? I'm going to read these verses aloud. You can follow along in your Bibles or your electronic device. Matthew records. He says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And so we kind of move past the, the time when Jesus was actually born. But we're told something really significant happens. It says that in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and they came asking, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And then he gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, and he asked them, he inquired where the Christ was to be born. And they knew the answer. They replied, verse 5, in Bethlehem of Judea. They even quote the scripture, for it's written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, 
when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time that star appeared, he then sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I can come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east, there it was again. It went before them till it came and it stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they came into the house, there they saw the young child with Mary his mother. They fell down and they worshipped him. And when they opened their gifts, their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. All right, we'll pause there. Azar prayed for us. Beautiful prayer. Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you for the morning. We say happy birthday, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the gift of eternal life that's found in no one else. There's no other name given under heaven by which we must be and can be saved. And so we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for eternal life. But we also thank you for life abundant, the blessings, the many blessings that we have on this side of eternity. And God, I pray that we would take none of those things for granted. That even regardless of what was under the tree this morning, the quality or the quantity, Lord, above all of that, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. May our hearts be lifted upward this morning in adoration of you as we learn from your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen. Would you take a moment, say Merry Christmas to somebody, and then you can have a seat. <laughs> Anyone here ever act in a skit or you've been in a play before by show of hands? Whoa, there, there are a lot of you. Uh, I, I, I've always been impressed with uh, you types that can, uh, like even for me to be up here, I get nervous. That's why I sit in the back often, if you guys notice. I have to pray. I'm like, Lord, give me courage. Uh, I, I'm impressed with people who can get on stage and, and memorize lines, especially, you know, at, just as, as actors and actresses. Uh, I, I think, man, what an amazing memory um, you and those people must have to be able to do that. I mean, I, I marvel especially at TV shows that have a series, right, where they have to memorize their lines every week. I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I can barely remember why I went into a room. Like, I'll go from one room to the next. I'm like, why did I come here? Like, I can't remember even my own thoughts, let alone, you know, memorizing lines. But, uh, you know, speaking of, of actors, uh, I, I like those shows that have the different characters. And then over time, you get to see how the character develops, right? The, they be, their personality and just different things about them. You realize like, oh, this person who I thought was the hero maybe isn't the hero, or this person's the, the villain, right? The antagonist. Uh, which one's the funny one? And, and usually those type of shows, what en ends up happening is we, if we're watching them, we, we end up getting favorites from them, right? There's certain people where like, or characters were like, oh, we literally like that particular person in that movie or that TV show. Um, for example, anybody have a, a favorite character from Marvel? Right? <laughs> I know the McGee kids do. <laughs> um, 
How about Star Wars? Favorite character from Star Wars? Where's George O'Shaughnessy? You know what reason I know George does? He's a Star Wars guy, right? Anthony, Anthony's favorite character is Princess Leah, so you know. <laughs> this morning, we're going to consider the, the cast, if you will, the cast of characters that we meet in the Gospel of Matthew. His account of the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus. But, of course, they're not actors, however. Right? They're, they're real people who lived in a real place at a real time in history and real events took place. This is, in many ways, just a historical documentary, a docu-series that Matthew provides for us. And so for our time this morning, this Christmas morning, we're going to look at three of the main cast, if you will, the Christmas characters that we meet in Matthew's gospel and what we can learn from them. So I draw your attention back to verse 1 as we read. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. As I mentioned as we began, Matthew, his account moves us past the actual birth of Jesus that Luke records for us when the shepherds showed up that evening. And now he moves us past those, the actual birthday to these events that took place in Bethlehem after Jesus was born. And, and Matthew gives us a marker of time that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod the king. Now aside from Jesus himself, we're introduced to the first character at this time. It's King Herod. And so we'll talk about him in a minute. We're also introduced to our second character group as well. We're told that wise men from the east came. And what we realize is that they came and they are on a mission. Right? They have come to Jerusalem and they have a distinct purpose in mind. Like when Mr. LJ and Mr. David go to Yakiniku, they are on a mission. And what is that mission? Well, verse 2 tells us. They come and they ask, where is he who's been born, the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. And so now we realize their intent. What are they there for? What are they, what's their mission? They want to find this one who's been born, the king of the Jews. They mentioned something very interesting about seeing his star in the east, and yet they state their intentions. And it seems pretty straightforward. I mean, that's Matthew's gospel for the most part. Now, we met Herod. We set him off to the side. We've met the wise men and another cast. We'll set them to the side for now. But let's come back to King Herod, and let's consider his response as he hears why the wise men have showed up. Verse 3, it says, when Herod then heard this, he's troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. We'll make our first observation, the cast that we meet, King Herod, and let's just call him, he's agitated. Right? King Herod is the Grinch of the Gospels. He is the Scrooge in this account. When King Herod hears what the 
magi, the wise men have come for. We're told his reaction. He's not happy. He's not like, oh, that's great. That's interesting. It says he's troubled and all of Jerusalem's troubled with him. Now, I know many of you know that the New Testament was written in common Greek. And that word for troubled in the original Greek language or disturbed, sometimes it's translated that way. It's the word terasso. And terasso means to be disquieted. It means to be agitated, aggravated, to make restless. It means to be frustrated. It's like trying to find a parking spot at the mall around the holidays, right? You become terasso. Who is King Herod? And why is he troubled at the arrival and in the inquiry of these wise men from the east? Now, Matthew doesn't tell us, and so we go to history and we can go to other gospels and we understand that King Herod was one of several Herods that's mentioned in the Bible. This particular one is also known as Herod the Great. He was an amazing builder. When we go to Israel in 2024, we'll go see things that he built that are still there today. But he really wasn't a true king, even though he's called the king. It's a title he took for himself. Remember, at this time, Rome is in power, and so Caesar really is the true, well, not, he's not the true king. Jesus is the true king, right? In political power, Caesar's. But it's a title he took for himself. It's, so it's a, it's a self-proclaimed title that he has no right to. He's just calling himself that, the king. Now, here he is, the self-proclaimed king of the Jews, sitting on his throne, in his power, and all of a sudden, here comes this group of foreigners, this group of dignitaries, who they arrive in the city, and they're now looking for the rightful king of the Jews. And so King Herod, his response to that is anger. It's agitation. It's frustration. It bothers him. Now, we're not told why, but I think we can put two and two together and come up with our answer. He's threatened. His little empire and his control and his world and his life, it's interrupted by others who are seeking the true king. There's others who've come and they're looking for Jesus. And I think it's safe to say that he felt threatened that all of a sudden now there's this other king who would interfere with his own power, his own plans, his own pursuits of what we know is an illusion of what he thought he controlled. Maybe we can even just boil it down even simpler. The truth unsettled him. And everyone around him became unsettled because they knew what type of person he was. Right? History tells us he's crazy. He's a couple tacos shy of a combo plate, this guy. Brilliant in one hand, but a madman on the other hand. Sometimes hearing the truth can be unsettling. Sometimes people don't like being shown what is false and what is true. A personal encounter with the truth of the gospel can be unsettling. 
Because it forces us to have to examine our own life and the reality that the Bible says all of us have sinned, none of us are perfect. And it forces us to look at our own lifestyle and the choices that we have made. The gospel gives us a true picture. I, I don't know about you, I made mention I think last Sunday that how the world we live in is in love with itself. Selfies and uh, we were, I, I mentioned how we were at um, Universal Studios and there's this one girl the entire time, an hour and a half that we were in line, she's just looking at herself the entire time. And I mentioned how I can barely stand to look at myself just for a few minutes. I just want to make sure nothing's in my teeth and I'm good to go and I'm out, right? But the gospel is this type of mirror that shows us our true self. And in many ways, it forces us to take a deep, hard look. And if we're honest, as the scripture tells us, Right, we realize, oh, I'm not that good. <laughs> Actually, I'm not good at all. And it also reveals then our need for a savior. Herod is unsettled by the truth. He's agitated. His world is being threatened. But if, we, if we're willing to accept the truth, that God is perfect and we are not, not, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. But God loves us. And God desired to save us from our sins. And we humble ourselves and we put Jesus, if you will, on the throne of our heart and our life. We step off our throne and we allow Jesus his rightful place in our own lives, in our own hearts. Bible says we will be saved. We, we come into this relationship with the Lord that he seeks. Maybe some of you this morning, as you're here, you're watching online, you, you can relate to Herod. You're, you're here, but you're unsettled by the truth. Listen, you, you can settle that right now as you receive Jesus as your King and your Lord. We now meet the next group it says when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together he he inquires of them where the christ was to be born where's the messiah where's the christos the, Mash the mashiach going to be born and and you note with me as i we read I, they, they know the answer they get an a on a bible quiz it's in bethlehem of judea they even know the source they know the address and they quote from Micah. For you, or excuse me, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you're not least amongst the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Here's the second group that we want to pause for a moment and consider. If Herod's agitated, I would say of this group, they're apathetic. It's the chief priests, it's the scribes. They were supposed to be 
the experts of the scriptures, of the Old Testament, of the law, of, of the writings of Moses. And, and they, they knew their scripture. And so when they're asked, where is your promised Messiah supposed to be born that these guys are looking for? They knew the answer. They had the correct intel. They knew their Bibles. Micah 5.2, they quote from that. But note with me that beyond that, they don't do anything. They know it in their heads. They knew it as information. They knew it as facts. But nothing changed in their hearts. It didn't compel them to do anything. I mean, of all of the people that you would expect to be excited about the possibility that their promised Messiah that they've been waiting for was born and that God had sent this supernatural, or at least as they describe it, a star that led them all the way from the east. And this group shows up. You would think it would be the religious leaders are like, wow, let's go then. That they would get fired up. That they would have some kind of excitement. That they would say, all right, let's do this. We'll we, we know where to go. Follow us. Now, I get, I get more excited in some of the local department stores when I'm looking for something and the clerk's like, oh, I, I'll help you. And they, you know, I just follow this lady down. She's going to show me where I can find, you know, sweaters or whatever. These guys don't move at all. They know where to find the true king. And yet, they don't move. It's no fire. It's just flat. They're reciting facts and data. It's sad. They, they're, I would say they're just apathetic. They don't care. Gang, I, I pray that none of us who know the Lord ever find ourselves in a place where the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't stir our heart to worship, to respond. Because there's a danger that it could. Where we can just go through the motions. Where gathering together, even on a Christmas Sunday, just becomes, well, it's just tradition. It's just something we do. Heaven forbid that we allow just the fact, the true fact that God became a man to save you and me from our sins, that somehow it just reduces itself to data and information that we can recite. Yet all the while we're removed unmoved and unfazed and unaffected by the amazing grace and life that God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ. I think it's the worst place to be to be apathetic about what really matters in your life and to be excited about the things that don't really matter and certainly then to have no, nothing about the Lord. Right? Right? It's one thing to know the answers and, and quite another than to act upon them. Or even worse, just to kind of go through the motions. Many years ago, and if you've been around for a while, I've told this story, so just bear with me. You already know it. On a Christmas morning, 
uh, Christy and I were dating at that time. So we, I went to her house to, for Christmas. We were going to open presents, and her family was always good and great to me and, and still are. In that season, I was uh, a poor college student. I was working two jobs and going to school and you know, can barely afford 25 cent top ramen and little microwave burritos. But anyways, I didn't have much money in those days. Uh, well, some things never change. I don't have much money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that particular morning uh, has been forever marked in my heart. So we, we go and we're opening gifts and Christy's parents were really excited and they gave me their gift. And so when I opened it, uh, it was a cookbook. Which, again, I, I was, a, you know, starving college student. Um, and I get this cookbook. And it wasn't a new cookbook. Uh, it was very much used and worn. In fact, two years ago, I found it. This is the one. Yeah, it's cool. And so when I opened it, I was genuinely surprised. Like, oh, it's a cookbook. <laughs> but, you know, I'm with her family, and I want to make... Good impression on mom and dad because, you know, I have the hots for their daughter, right? So, <laughs> but I wasn't expecting a cookbook. So I had to, I had to kind of fake my excitement a little. Like, oh, thank you. Like, it's so lovely, you know. <laughs> and in my mind, I think it's used. Like, what? <laughs> Maybe I'm not that good with the family. <laughs> They're just staring at me the whole time. Big smiles. I'm awkward. I'm like, ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, let's move on. Like, okay, let the brother open his gifts. And they're like, no, open it, dummy. And so I did. And when I opened it, uh, about every, I don't know, several pages or so, there, there was a, a card. Oh. Uh, that's weird. Uh, uh yeah, an envelope, and it had a $100 gift certificate to the grocery store. And I forget how many there were. There were a lot. I got really excited then. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love this gift. <laughs> wow. Yeah, what a great memory. Listen, the, the treasure that moves us, right? It, it's found inside the pages of, of this book that describes a God who loves us, who came for us, who gave his life for us. And God forgive us if we ever fake our gratitude, if we ever fake our appreciation, right? that we would keep the wonder of Christmas and the wonder of the gospel fresh in our hearts. And so this Christmas, I, I pray as we consider the, the priests and, and the scribes who should have been excited who should have been more than just a check in the box, oh, we know the answer, that, that we would reignite the wonder and the joy of, of God's word and the wonder of our Savior. Amen? Amen? We come back to the Magi. Herod then, when he secretly called the wise men, he determined from them what time the star appeared. And then so he sends them to Bethlehem, and, and I would say he's such a faker. Like, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I can come and worship him also. You can read the rest later and know that he's, he's completely lying. 
And so when they hear the king, they, they leave. And sure enough, there's that star they've seen. It's back. They're excited. It, it, it moves to where Jesus was. And so they have exceedingly great joy, and they come to the house. And so we know that, okay, this isn't, this isn't the same place where the shepherds showed up. In fact, even Matthew calls him a young child. And so when the, these wise men come, they, they find Mary, they find Jesus, they fall down, they worship him, and they open their treasures. Unusual, we mentioned last night. Unusual baby gifts. There's not a pacifier, right? There's not a blanket. It's, it's essential oils and gold, which, okay, that's good, right? You get gold, you know. Here's the third group. It's the magi, the wise men, the magos. And if Herod is agitated and the priests are apathetic, just to keep alliteration, the, the magi... Well, it's adoration for them. Herod calls them secretly. He's want to keep this on the down low. And he wants to know, okay, where, where did the star that you saw, where did, where did this happen? Now, our time doesn't permit. There's a lot of debate, interesting theories about what that star could be. Some believe perhaps it was certain planets that were aligned and because these guys coming from the east and their background of being kind of a mix of astrologers and, and um, um, you know, sages and studied these things that God would use that uh, to direct them could be. Some suggest perhaps it was a, a comet. Some maybe suggest it was an angel. And again, uh, whatever it was, we know it's a star, that's what the Bible says, and that God used it to lead and to bring these guys to where they needed to go, and it reappeared again to bring them to their final destination so that they could find what they were looking for, and they could find Jesus and be able to see and to behold and to worship him and, and to give to him as they had hoped. You understand, God... God still does the same thing in our lives today. And he's happy to use anything, if you will. People and events and situations in your life. Whether they're natural or even supernatural. To bring you to a place. That we too then would discover the truth of who Jesus is. That we too then would have an opportunity to worship him. And, and to know his love and his purpose in our life that we too would be able to enter into a relationship and give of the Lord what we can. And so, the wise men represent adoration. Who are these wise men? In the original Greek, it's magos. It's where we get the word transliterated English, magi. And even with them, there's a lot of ideas and I would say misconceptions and legends about who these wise men were. Um, often they're depicted as three, right? We three kings of Orient are. But the Bible doesn't tell us how many. I think people think there's three because there's three types of gifts. But if you look at the narrative, right, it's, it doesn't just say three. As I mentioned, 
history tells us, and those who study such things believe the Magi were even part of way back when Daniel was in Babylon and in Persia. And that this group, this, this priestly type of scientist caste that perhaps even Daniel began and began to teach them about prophecies and these things. And so, again, the Bible doesn't tell us that specifically. Those are just thoughts. The Magi did not arrive on the same night that Jesus was born. It's perhaps some time after. It's days, weeks, maybe even months. But when they arrive, we read that Mary and Jesus, they, they've, Joseph, they're, they've moved to a, a house. They're, they're not in the same place. And when they come to the house, they come in and they worship and they present their gifts to the Lord. And they're valuable gifts. They're not small things. They're not, they're not Daiso gifts. Right? <laughs> they're at least thrippy, you know, the 300 yen store one. Right? <laughs> I mean, even today, fragrances are really expensive. Perfumes and oils. I mean, essential oils are expensive. Especially these ones, frankincense and myrrh. You know, peppermint's not too bad, right? But, <laughs> but what's the response? It's adoration. They came willingly. They came of their own accord. They came to give generously. They came with no expectation of return. It's purely one direction. They want to see, seek, and see and worship. That's all they came for. They genuinely wanted to know, where is Jesus? And that sincerity was unquestioned by the proof of their tremendous journey, investment of time, money, and resources. They made a lot of sacrifices, personal sacrifices to get there. We might even add that they they were seeking answers, right? They had, they had a good part of the story, enough to get them moving, but they wanted to know the rest. Again, I, I don't know all of you. I know many of you. I don't know all of you. I'm blessed that you're here this morning, and thank you for joining us. I certainly want to welcome you back if you don't have a home church already. But maybe you can relate. You, you've known part of the story. You have that part down. I mean, that's even why you're here. But God wants you to know the rest of the story, if I can say it that way. To know Jesus. To know him personally. To know his love and his forgiveness. And and you can do that today. To receive him as your Lord and your Savior. The the Magi provide a great challenge for us. They, They just came only to bless the Lord. They came and they humbled themselves. Men of renown, men of, we would say, of means. And yet they come and they they humble themselves to a child. King, I, I pray our hearts and our attitudes would be the same. Certainly this Christmas, thank you for coming this morning. But that, it, that would be our hearts and attitudes every day. To come to the Lord with the desire 
of just to bless him for the fact of who he is. And, and not that we would just default to like, what, what will I get from this? But that coming into this next year, even that our question would change, our perspective would be like, Lord, how can I bless you? Uh, of me and what you've given me, how, how can I give back to you, Lord, in my humility and of sacrifice and inconvenience and that we would simply just adore the Lord for who he is. Amen? And so church family, I, I pray that that would be our focus for the rest of our day, but also for the rest of our life. That we would live a life of adoration, always in pursuit, active pursuit of Jesus. And to give him the honor and the glory that's due. Merry Christmas. Father, we thank you for our time in your word. To be able to look at this next part of the gospel of Matthew. To consider these three different characters, casts that we meet. Lord, as we think about Herod and his reaction to the news, he, he's not happy. <laughs> he's agitated. He, he's unsettled by what he's heard. And, and Lord, we realize sometimes that happens in our life too. That the truth can unsettle us. But Lord, I, I pray that we wouldn't then respond as Herod respond in fake interest and then in rebellion. But Lord, that we, we would uh, allow your truth to do what you've designed it for, to do, to, to bring us to our need of a Savior, to realize our true heart condition apart from you. Lord, I also pray that we wouldn't be like the priests and the scribes that we read. They knew the answers. They knew their Bible. It just came routine for them. It was just facts and data that did nothing in their hearts. Lord, please guard us from that. Guard us from apathy, Lord. Guard us from just having information and not being transformed and, and moved to respond and to, and to go and to serve. Lord, may we be like the Magi that we would come and continually come and that our own heart focus would be not that what we get from you but Lord, what we can bring to you. A sacrifice of praise. To present to you our, our very lives as a living sacrifice. Lord, to serve you. To give back to you what you've so richly blessed us with, Lord. And to do so with humility and, and help us, Lord, not to have just any expectation back. Just simply to seek and to serve and to, and to worship. Today and every day.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Now, one last song.